Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast. My name is Jeff and I'm joined as always by my good, good pals, Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. These uh, fine fellows like to debate and deliberate the most ubiquitous aspects of a variety of topics. And this week's topic is unusual. It is the Mount Rushmore of snowmen. <laughs> it is the season, right? Uh, uh, maybe people in cooler climates than Los Angeles or Orlando are out there uh, creating from the frozen precipitation uh, uh, humanoid figures out there <laughs> in their yards. If this, if this is not like the summer climate version of mansplaining about what yeah, is know. interesting Sorry. about a snowman, I do not know. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Who needs to explain a snowman? Uh, so uh, this is the Mount Rushmore of snowmen, and any, um, meeny, miny, Richard, you were the first person to start. All right. So my first choice is the song "Frosty the Snowman." Oh, also, okay. also on my list. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. And it's one of those songs. It's much like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yeah. The type of song that you just think of as kind of always being around. Yeah. But it was actually, you know, what it was first written in. Uh, 1950 and released in 1950 by Gene Autry, later covered probably most famously by Jimmy Durante. Um, And it was actually, you know, a purely a commercial ploy because um, after Gene Autry had a big hit with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer back in 1949, the songwriters came up with the idea, like, let's do a new, uh, let's do a new, uh, Christmas song that Gene Autry can record. So what can we come up with that's like Rudolph, but not Rudolph? I mean, there wasn't really a character named Frosty the Snowman before the song came out. No. Admitted completely out of whole cloth for the song. The song was basically just a way to cash in on the success of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer the year before. Yeah. Was Rudolph from like a greeting card or something? I thought it had a, it was like a popular Hallmark card. And they thought, what the heck? Yeah, it was a Montgomery's Ward uh, creation. Oh, advertorial kind of. Yeah, like an advertorial okay. thing. Okay. Oh. So that one at least had some, you know, it, it had been around in the public for a few years. This one yeah. was just completely completely made out of whole, whole cloth. Yeah. Wow. And, okay. and yeah, you know, I there have been a lot of different versions of it. Wound up, uh, much like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, also inspiring a Rankin-Bass uh tv special yeah one that for me i don't know michael are, are you going to talk about the tv special at all yeah i can talk about the i mean the jimmy Durante one I, they had yeah. another one that came out uh even earlier than that like a black and white cartoon that kind of pops up on mm, kind of weird best of oh. uh you know it's like it's like when you see that old batman like movie from like the 1930s uh, the like, serial. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, it's Batman-ish. He's got a gun. That's weird. <laughs> so sometimes you see, like, the older versions of it before the ones that kind of swept into your world when it was yeah. early, late 60s, early 70s, something like that, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. Um, you're like, ah, I recognize it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the Rankin-Bass one is, is right up there. Uh, wait, are we ta- wait, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Are we talking about the – there's, like, a cartoon – that was the Jimmy Durante one, right? Yeah, I think so. And then there is also, like, maybe I'm thinking of just the snowman from the kind of uh, claymation hmm. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeers. That, that was kind of Burl Ives. Yeah, so I'm thinking of a different. I was yeah, thinking of yeah. 
it. Yeah, the Jimmy Durante one is the one that was the Rankin and Bass one. Okay. And it's animated. Yes. No, I think we're on the same page. Sorry, that was a long way around to get to nowhere. Yeah, well, congratulations. We did it. Come <laughs> um, you know what's funny is I, even though I love most of the Rankin and Bass productions of that era, Frosty the Snowman just completely missed me. Like, I don't know if it wasn't on TV enough when I was growing up mm-hmm. or if I just, you know, had other holiday favorites that just spoke to me more. But I have no connection to the actual TV show for to the TV special Frosty the Snowman. Mm-hmm. I think there's also a late 60s, early 70s animation kind of style that, uh, I don't know, it, was, it felt very um, visually uninteresting. Like I think that gonna, I think I what think we're conf- go ahead. What's confusing us is the Rankin Bass did a two-dimensional animated Frosty the Snowman. So yeah. we're used to the where we, they often did 3D uh, characters. So yeah, um, but I yeah I think I I'm with you, Richard, and it seemed kind of generic. Not uh, not almost any style. Not not Hanna Barbera. Not you know Warner Brothers. Not Disney. Is kind of a schmushy schmush of animation style. Yeah, which they did wind up doing. There was there was a sequel called Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July. Mm-hmm. There was a full length film. Yeah, that was done in the that the animagic stop motion style. Okay. Um, and so they kind of combined like a Frosty and Rudolph together as you know a superhero team up sort of thing. Oh, like Godzilla and Gamera. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'm not. Sh- I haven't seen it. I don't know all the details. Yeah. Um, but there was a stop motion frosty at some point, so maybe mm-hmm. that's where some of the confusion is also seeping. Okay. Okay. God, they 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 made a lot of frosty sequels, um, which is again is surprising to me because I just don't think of it being like, you know, a year without Santa Claus or mm-hmm. or Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer or some of the other classic Rankin and Bass yeah. productions, but yeah. It must have been. It, it, let us know, guys, if you're listening and, 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 and you're cringing because Frosty the Snowman is your absolute favorite Christmas uh-huh. uh, or holiday uh, uh, special. Uh-huh. Let us know why. Let's reach out to us on social media and let us know. I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say that, um, yeah, it wasn't Animagic, so it was a little bit different. Um, and I... I, what I love about Frosty the Snowman is the story is about essentially about a strange drifter who comes to uh, kind of interact with young children. And so I can imagine this was fueled by some folklore retelling of a time when a toothless wino stumbled through a small town and in a fit of manic energy entertained children in this town for quite a while before passing out and then being dragged off by the local constabulary or something like that. So everything about the story, the song of Frosty the Snowman feels like uh, it is the, it is, it only happened because of neglectful adults who allowed their children to spend an afternoon with this um, person who maybe escaped from a mental asylum or uh, Richard, Richard, 
Richard, we have accidentally stumbled into a Jeff cast. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think Jeff knew that he was, he was getting into one, but here we are. Who was, who was this Who was this gentleman that you met that was wearing a, 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 a top hat and a corncob pipe? And he's smoking. Yeah, these, he's... yeah, these eyes that were made out of coal. And... <laughs> he's, he's made out of coal, smoking God knows what in that pipe. Um, and what must have been some magic in that old silk hat that mm. they... Oh, I bet there was magic. I bet there was some kind of snuff or something in there that uh, he was hopped up on. Um, oh, you know, that's very informative because I did not know that it was a uh, product of um, of kind of uh, a commercial enterprise. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Let's try to get this. Let's and Michael, what, Michael, Jeff, what's, what's real quick, what's your favorite cover of it? Not the original, but... Uh, hmm. I I only know the um, Jack, the Durant he didn't. Durant well, you, know, you probably know the Ronettes version of it from. The, oh yeah, the that's good. Yeah. Christmas. yeah, that was that's very good. good. I think that's probably like the best version of it. The, right, but um, uh, the Jimmy Durante one. Mine's mine would be uh, Leon Redbone, featuring oh, Doctor awesome. John. <laughs> Frosty the Snowman. I remember that would come on VH1 during the holidays when I was growing up, and the video is completely ridiculous with oh wow, both Leon Redbone and Doctor John, two people who have faces made for radio. Yeah, the, 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 occupying the same space is just a wild concept. Yeah, I will also say that. Boy, I feel like Leon Redbone and Frosty share a whole heck of a lot in common. Yes, too. I mean, I've never seen them in the same place at the no. same time. I'll tell you that much. Well, I think there's also precious little known about Leon Redbone. Like he kind of came in and people perceived him to be kind of in the cut from the cloth of like a, a Dr. John or a Frank Zappa or a Tom Waits or something like that. But <clears throat> I think he kind of vanished. <laughs> he kind of appeared in some commercial, some very commercial um jingles and things like that but uh wow it's that's interesting okay well, you, well here, here's, a, here's a quick question why do you think that um oh what was his name um bobby pickett uh bobby bobby wars pickett yeah yeah that did that monster mash why couldn't he follow up like the monster mash with anything successful the way that they followed up like uh you know like at some point you're just like you're just coming up with um with new songs for a particular holiday, right? Like, all right, yeah. so we got we got R- Rudolph, we got Frosty the Snowman. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't Bobby? Why couldn't he come up with something else? Yeah, I think successful. he probably, I think he probably like attempted to, and then he did the thing where you update the song, like the um, oh, Alvin the, and the Chipmunks did, where you did the disco version or the mm. the whatever version. Mm. I imagine that there's some other um, holiday creature out there lurking that was just like on the yeah. edge of getting a a great song. Well, I think regionally my, my East coast, uh, uh, born wife around the holidays, she was talking about, you know, great songs like deck the halls and jingle bells and Dominic, the donkey, like what? Like, you know, <laughs> Dominic, the Italian Christmas donkey, like what? <laughs> That's like only in a certain region of the Northeast. Uh, of mm. the United States and maybe in Italy, do they sing Dominic the Donk? Chickity jig, hee haw, hee haw. It's Dominic the Donkey, chickity jig, hee haw. The Italian Christmas donkey, ah, da, 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 da. and the whole the whole state yeah. of Royal Island starts singing this song. You know how they do those maps every once in a while, where it's like, uh, what state uh, Google's 
uh, oh, yeah. whatever the most. There has yeah. to be such regionalism with um, Christmas songs, too. There has to be, like, Feliz Navidad definitely dominates a certain um, uh, southern sector and western sector of the United States, and Dominique the Donkey, again. There, you know, there's Yoli Olson in the middle of the country, yeah. like Wisconsin. That <laughs> yeah, just like, uh, probably I, a meth dealer in, in New Mexico or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Uh, Michael, by the way, uh, yeah. did Bobby Pickett, Bobby, Bobby Boris Pickett, uh, do a sequel to Monster Mash called Monster Rap in the 80s? You bet your sweet ass he did. <laughs> See, that? Uh, that's the thing is like, I think that's just like Jeff said, like, <laughs> that's so funny. Um, you don't want like, uh, like an updated version of the same song. You want like, I want to get into what whatever uh, you know the creature from the Black Lagoon is doing. Yeah, and he also recorded songs such as the Werewolf Watusi and Me and My Mummy. So oh, you know what we did, did branch out. out. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love that. So Pagliacci didn't only sing La Traviata. He also. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, so I feel like we laid a good base. The first uh, bottom sphere of the snowman has been laid with the one that we all kind of expect to hear so uh let's go with michael for the second choice here okay um i've got to decide what order i'm gonna go in I, you know i'm gonna go with something that is more of a favorite thing of mine and that is um anytime calvin from calvin and hobbs would make one of his oh um, yeah also uh, on my list okay. uh, the attack of the deranged mutant killer monster snowman um was the name of one of his uh, kind of collections of stories but i i was such a calvin and hobbs fan um, downstairs in a cardboard box is every collection except I think the very last one for whatever reason it got misplaced they're just dying to come out whenever Felix comes of age mm-hmm. but I grew up so much reading Calvin and Hobbes um, and uh, what I remember is like his sense of imagination is great but he had a sense of imagination that was like tied to the outdoors that I just didn't have you know, it, this kid that was seemingly built upon living in somewhere in Ohio that saw every season, that saw you know, fall weather, that saw, you know, amazing summers, that's had this huge outdoor life. And of course, every year, seem, even though that um, Calvin never ages, if you followed it throughout like a year, he'd go through the stages of like a, he'd have a Christmas season and he'd have a summer season. And all these um, different things. So when it ever came around to like a Christmas thing, there was so much snow involved in his outdoor world of play. And obviously snowmen became this thing that was um, um, so big in his outdoor world of play. And, um, you know, the first ones he'd start with like building a snowman uh, that would just have two heads. And he'd build these things to like gross out his parents or to, you know, be kind of... uh, What's the word? Just mischievous. And then eventually it turned into his imagination where he'd start um, imagining that these things were actually coming to life and attacking him. And um, I was just always like so impressed with um, how Bill Watterson could capture like the monstrosism of something that's usually very gentle and family oriented and fun filled and then turn it into this aspect of um, of play and uh, being chased around. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Is that, you're in the same ballpark there, Richard? Yeah. 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 I just, for me, it's just, it's just having had six year olds, a couple of them who are now no longer six year olds and are have grown older. But 
Six-year-olds can have twisted senses of humor. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe it's just my kids. I don't know. No, no, but no, I no. could 100% see, especially my son, if we live somewhere where it's snowy, deciding not just to make regular snowmen, but to make these, you know, snowmen with, you know, uh, you know, uh, cannonball holes through them, like <laughs> leaning over and dying and stuff like that. I could totally see him getting into doing that rather than just your basic snowman with a corncob pipe and everything else. It just kind of speaks to, I think, what Calvin and Hobbes was so good at was presenting Calvin as a real six-year-old. You know, that's how six-year-olds are. All the pluses and the minuses and all the weird stuff that six-year-olds are into and kind of how they think. And obviously he was a very precocious six-year-old, but at his heart, he's still a six-year-old. You know, yeah, and, Calvin. And, Calvin does seem like uh, um, um, Watterson's advancement of the uh, Charlie Brown's neurosis from inward expression to outward expression. <laughs> like, like right. for all Calvin's concern and and a distrust and uh, fear of this cruel universe that's around him, and uh, it's it's he he expresses it in very outwardly uh, as opposed to Charlie Brown, who's just He's gone bald except for one little hair on his head. <laughs> right. So, so torn apart by these things. I love it too because, uh, you know, we're talking about snowmen as um, these kind of singular objects, but in this case, they are an expression of his a very uh, fertile, fertile imagination. So that's, that's a lot of fun. Or, you know, they're kind of like a, they're the canvas. Um, so we're at our halftime. Yes. Uh, um, you know, just want to thank our new sponsor, Snow. Um, that's right. Yeah. The rapper? Yeah. You got that's it. Right. Licky boom boom now. That was that wrong rapper. Boom. Uh, me no, me no. I can't even do it. Never mind. Yeah. Uh do us a solid and uh download, rate, and review past episodes. Uh the the long um days uh, and long nights of winter are coming up and it's nothing better than to uh snuggle into your bed with a hot cup of cocoa and all of the Mount Rushmore podcast. Do that. Listen to that. And uh, another plea to uh, grace us in 2023 with you you as a guest suggestor or guest host. We'd love to uh, have some you, some of you, not all of you, on our podcast. Uh, it'd be a lot of fun to have you there. So I think we're back. And I think it's Richard's third? Or yeah, it's my third. Okay, okay Richard's the third. Yeah. Now is the winter of autism. <laughs> Literally. Uh, my third Literally. choice is the uh, 1998 film Jack Frost starring Michael Keaton. Wow. Okay. What a weird concept for a movie <laughs> this is. Um, so essentially, Michael Keaton plays a musician named Jack Frost, which, by the way, thanks mom and dad for naming me that, Um who is had basically is so obsessed with his music career that he neglects his family. The one day he dies in a car accident, always the hallmark of a good family film. Yeah. Yeah. Upbeat. Um, and through various circumstances, he winds up coming back reincarnated as a snowman, hmm. not just any snowman, but a snowman who vaguely looks like Michael Keaton. Which is that a really weird, uncanny valley to try and tread into? Yeah. And then, then, then it goes through, and he learns. You know, he learns things from his son, and 
He's able to impart wisdom to his son, and then eventually he melts and goes into the afterlife. The end. Why am I spoiling this movie for you? Because you shouldn't see it. (laughs) It's really not good. Um, I went into the Rotten Tomatoes for this movie, and it was a mega bomb both uh, critically and in the box office sense. Um, The... Just all you need to do is see the preview, like I said, to see the the Jim Henson creature uh, shop actually worked on the uh, the puppetry for the snowman. Hmm. Um, it's not their best work. <laughs> Go back and walk, watch Labyrinth if you want to see them doing their best work. Now they actually originally created it because George Clooney was attached to star with the film, so they actually originally made it so it would look sort of like George Clooney. Then he backed out, so they had to redo it to make it look like Michael Keaton. So maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. Um, Sam Raimi was originally going to be uh, directing this movie. Wow. Which is especially 1998, Jack, uh, Sam Raimi, is such a bizarre choice for this movie. Mm-hmm. It wound up being directed by someone named Troy Miller. I'm not familiar with what else he's done, but um, it's just a strange movie. It's, it's equal parts kind of frightening because the, your dad dying and coming back as a snowman is just a, it seems like a frightening concept knowing that he's eventually going to melt because that's what all snowmen do. Mm-hmm. Not only does you, you have to see your dad, you find out that your dad died in a car accident. You then have to watch him slowly melt away over the course of weeks that seems like that's not that comforting to me. Do you think that there's like an undead universe where he teamed up with Ghost Dad? <laughs> Maybe Casper is involved. They've got like yeah, some sort just... of like a super team. All the all the friend the family friendly ghosts are just yeah. hanging out like uh doing japes and other fun things instead of scaring anybody. I wonder if this was after or before. I'm trying to look in the chronology before um, the horror film, Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, oh. did, did mm. somebody say, "Look how huge this was," and we gotta, we gotta jump on this bandwagon? And then this. So, how did they get so many Batman to be considered for this uh, movie? <laughs> and why wasn't Val Kilmer considered? Yeah, Kilmer's like, "I'll do it. I'll do it." The sensible of all bat the bat people. <laughs> yeah. I am glad you brought up the 1997 Jack Frost. Michael. See now that one, that one I've seen. Okay, I, I haven't, I haven't seen, it. seen it, but I haven't uh, seen I... it in 25 years. I, I probably saw it. I mean, what was it? 97, probably on a lark, or maybe just like a rented movie sometime after that. Because I don't know, he's a scary snowman that kills you. I, what a what a weird thing to name the movie the exact same thing yes. a year after. Uh, a horror slasher movie has that exact name. Like, are you just pot committed and you're just unwilling to change the name of the movie? Or, I mean, it could have been anything. I mean, I understand you don't want to go in and like ADR, like calling him Jack Frost or whatever, change it to like, you know, Chris Snow or whatever, you know, whatever it is to do. Like they, there must've been a hundred other snowman type puns. Yeah. That could have been done to avoid just be like, all right, kids, I need to go to the store to rent a family friendly movie. All right, I'm going to rent Jack Frost. Great. Then you walk in the door with the one where the, <laughs> the snowman cuts you up and stabs, uh, I assume, 
you know, carrots to your face or whatever. This this has um, I see in the in the cast list, uh, Henry Rollins is in it, and it just feels like throughout the um, '90s and late '80s, like, there wasn't a movie that didn't have Flea or Henry Rollins like pursuing <laughs> the protagonist right. in a tr- in a truck or you know like on a car, you know, threatening to break their neck or something like that. You know, that's so funny. <laughs> that's good. All right, what's your third, Michael? Oh, my third. I'll go with um I had like a little personal choice and that is oh. um real life pathetic snowmen. <laughs> also on my list. <laughs> real okay. life. Yes. Okay. All right, we're done here. <laughs> I got one more. I got one more okay. after, but Okay. Listen, coming from a um Southern California background, I don't spend a lot of time in the snow. The time I have spent in the snow is uh meager. Uh, usually around like a melting snow up in the, I don't know, Big Bear, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Lake Arrowhead type area, which is, you know, a couple hours, you know, west or east and north of Los Angeles. It's in the mountains. There was snow-ish. But like your idea to build a snowman when you're a kid, it's got these three perfectly round yeah. globes of snow <laughs> that are just like uh, shaped perfectly. And then you, you get up there and you don't have a carrot. You don't have the corn cob pipe. You don't have the coal. You don't really have a hat. You have like your, uh, maybe a scarf that you uh, put on this thing. And you look at this thing that is just so hideous. Yeah. And you're just like, well, that's me for magic. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. And then, you, and then you put your scarf back on and it's wet. And you're like, well, fuck. <laughs> This is awful. This is a bad experience. Who wants to do this? Oh, we uh, we occasionally take the kids up to the snow. Both our kids are, are would like to be in the snow more. Um, and it, the problem is when you're trying to bake a snowman here in Southern California, when you get to where there's snow, more often than not, it's slush. Yeah. You're making a slush man, not a snowman. And there's no way to get that thing to hold the form. You know, the classic big circle, middle circle, small circle on top. There's just no way you're getting getting that circle. The, the center will not hold, <laughs> quite literally. Yeah. So the whole thing just turns into, looks like a, looks like you just, like Richard Dreyfus in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, <laughs> just playing with his mashed potatoes. <laughs> and then you stick a hat on it and a carrot and some some buttons. <laughs> and you're good, and you say, oh, that's, that, I guess that's as good as we're going to do." Meanwhile, obviously, because we're in Southern California, nobody has gloves, so your hands are freezing by the time you're done with this. It's it's fun, but it never turns it never turns out the same way as you see it on the Hallmark movies. Yeah, to Richard's point about as a Californian or person visiting uh, the the mountains in that region. Uh, having challenges of assembling a snowman. I, I was I lived in cold climates with long winters for 32 years. The snow was ideal once, one mm. time, one mm. winter was the snow ideal because you need a lot of powder and you need it to warm up a little. Only then can you roll that sucker up into a big old honking snowman and, and make it uh, work. But it does peeve me that whenever you do see a snowman on that special episode of Gilmore Girls or whatever, it's an art-directed styrofoam thing that right. looks perfect like everything on tv does all the time so yeah yeah it's definitely 
and ugly. In the Midwest, every snowman I ever built had a dog turd in it somewhere. Uh, <laughs> and you didn't have to put sticks in it because there was already a stick in there that was going to accidentally poke you or something like that. Okay, 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 okay. Um, Richard Manfredi. No, it's Michael's costume. Oh, sorry, Michael. What's I'm, your a, final? I'm a lot of snowmen. <laughs> uh, so we have not mentioned drug dealers once, mm. like cocaine dealers. So Kid Charlemagne by uh, Steely Dan. There's a song about a snowman. Okay. I think we stayed pretty true to task on this one, Richard. Yeah, we did. And okay. I will finish with a newer snowman, um, Olaf from the Frozen family of movies, the Disney oh. movies. Okay. Um, I, I like the character. He's very annoying in spite of how annoying he is. <laughs> I like him because he does seem to have this kind of existential crisis of being that I think is very fun and interesting that he suddenly bursts to life and he's fully aware that he's a snowman. Um, uh, he kind of comes out of the mind of the two girls that like there, you know, there's obviously some magic involved with how he has some sort of knowledge of being played with or being imagined by them and whatever. And, you know, he ultimately dreams of things that he could never have of, um, uh, lying in the sun, uh, but also forever destined to melt. He has this uh, fun sense of um, kind of also being an idiot. He doesn't like know <laughs> things that are happening, but um, slowly starts building up a sense of like a knowledge base. He's kind of gathering all these different things over the course of a couple movies and specials and whatever. Um, and I think that he is just so... Um, I think there is a unique sense of how they use him in fun, new snowmen ways that you don't often see. He has things that are poking in and out of him. He has pieces of him that are falling apart. He has uh, kind of, he's uh, changing constantly, always kind of coming back to his regular form, but he, he, they use the snow in such like great mm, animatorly ways that um, you don't often see. I mean, I don't, you know, he can, take off his head and do stuff with it, or his body can fall apart and come back together. You know, with Frosty the Snowman, not to uh, uh, take him down a peg, that top hat wearing son of a <laughs> He's kind of set in stone. You know, his shape is his shape, but uh, Olaf tends to mm, change, or at least they, they seem to play around with the concept of what a snowman looks like or acts, but ultimately I think yeah. it's just... His existential nature. Who am, who am, you know, it's like that, um, oh, Toy Story. One of the Toy Stories had a Forky mm -hmm. uh, that yeah. kind of came into being and was like, I'm trash. <laughs> why, <laughs> why does anyone want to play with me? He's this kind of snowman that kind of comes into being and then has to discover what he's about. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, I remember thinking, oh, this is, uh, for all that Frozen uh, animators had to probably deal with with essentially two Disney princesses and then just a, a doofus uh, in terms of Sven or whatever. Um, Olaf, yeah, it seems like they were having a blast with this little schmoo of a guy mm. who, who can do and be anything. Yeah, so yeah, it did seem like they were kind of making a meal out of that, uh, that opportunity of and, and like you said his naivete was so um kind of charming i do want to punch josh gad in the throat hmm. 
Because it just reminds me of a guy who took one improv class and said, yeah, I get it. (laughs) I'm just louder and obnoxious than everybody else. (laughs) Okay, improv. I get it. I I will say that he is is fantastic on Avenue 5, if you guys have not started watching that yet. He is really good in that. As as someone that you want to punch in the throat, okay. so maybe maybe it's just that he's playing himself a little bit. I don't know. All right, guys, we did it. The Mount Rushmore of Snow Men. Uh, I like next week. Now Mount Rushmore of Snow Women. Oh, equal time. Equal yeah. time, man. Yeah, I mean, women. So uh, let's. <laughs> I think we got enough here to almost go go with. Let's go with Calvin because we love you, Calvin, and let's go with Frosty because he's the OG. And um, uh, real life snowmen, because let's get real. And then Matt, it's it's between uh, Olaf and Jack Frost. Going, going Frost. No right. Going Frost. Going Frost. Because uh, Mister Mom was in it. Okay, this has been the Mount. Hey, jingle your bells, everybody. We're excited the holidays are here. Um, this has been the Mount Rushmore of snowmen. I'm always Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. He's Michael! 